Welcome to another life-impacting message from City Light Church, North Adelaide. You can find more great things like this at citylight.church slash North Adelaide. So Psalm 96 in your Old Testament. Sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord and praise his name. Proclaim his salvation day after day. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous deeds among all peoples. For great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. He is to be feared above all gods, for all the gods of the nations are idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him, strength and glory are in his sanctuary. Ascribe to the Lord, O families of the nations. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering and come into his courts. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. Tremble before him all the earth. Say among the nations, the Lord reigns. The world is firmly established, it cannot be moved. He will judge the peoples with equity. Let the heavens rejoice, let the earth be glad, let the sea resound and all that is in it. Let the fields be jubilant and everything in them. Then all the trees of the forest will sing for joy. They will sing before the Lord, for he comes. And our New Testament reading is at the very end of Matthew. Matthew 28, verses 16 through 20. Then the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Thank you, Cindy. Uh, Good morning, everyone. Happy birthday. I feel like we should sing, but maybe we'll sing later. Uh, Maybe we'll sing when we have the cake, um, which Stella and I had great joy uh, buying yesterday at Costco. Who's a member at Costco? Anyone a member at Costco? Yeah, a few smart people. Yes, um, I love that place. Anyway, uh, I'm Simon. Uh, I'm the lead pastor here at City Light Church, North Adelaide. Um, I've been uh, lead pastor for just a bit over two years, I think it is. Um, And so I feel like when we celebrate days like today, the fifth anniversary of being a church, I feel like um, I'm sort of standing on the shoulders of giants a little bit in that I wasn't around when uh, the Lord, through his people, established this church. Um, and yet it's been a privilege for me to sort of jump in and take the reins um, alongside you guys to make Jesus known in this part of Adelaide. Um, and so I'm really, yeah, it's a great privilege to be in this position today. We're pausing our series today in the book of Deuteronomy uh, just to embrace the day of just celebrating what the Lord has done amongst us uh, and also to sort of just think a bit about why we do what we do um, as we perhaps press on to the next five years or so of ministry here in North Adelaide. Um, before we do get into that, um, I just wanted to, to share, I was um, 
don't think about this too much, but I was in the shower this morning um, and I was uh, just reflecting on, for me, what church kind of is, what it looks like for us to do this kind of thing, gather together on a Sunday morning. Um, and I, I, probably ever since I've became a Christian, which is a bit over 21 years ago, I've always thought of kind of the Sunday gathering of church a bit like a, a field hospital in a war. Uh, where you and I as God's people have come off the the various front lines of Christian ministry, whether that's at university or school or in the hospital uh, or wherever your work happens to be, and you've come in off that front line, I don't know, a little bit wounded, a little bit beaten up, um, a little bit hungry, um, and a little bit maybe, I don't know, disorientated about what's really going on um, in the world. Uh, And when we come back into this place, which is a bit like a field hospital in a war, um, sort of this spot in time and in the world, we we come together as God's people off those various front lines uh, to, I don't know, get a good meal, uh, get a good feed. And there's a good feed coming after the gathering today, by the way, Um, so do stick around. A bit of nourishment. Uh, we, we come together to have our wounds kind of wrapped up and bound up as we've come off the, the, the field, off the mission, the front line of mission. Uh, we come again to remember who it is that we're, who's, who's saved us, who's loved us, who's forgiven us, the Lord Jesus Christ. And I don't know, the foibles and the failures and that that we've experienced during the week, we, we come back and we're reassured of God's love for us that never ends uh, as we hear God's word and as we celebrate the Lord's Supper. So we get a feed, we we get our wounds bound up, and then thirdly, we get like a rally cry from the captain uh, about what this is all about, who we are, what's really going on in the world. Um, And that's not me, the captain, it's it's God himself who reminds us who we are in Jesus, what we're on the earth to do, and where we're going before we get thrust back out into the, the mission fields again. That's what I've kind of likened church to be. And we come with all sorts of things on our hearts and minds as well. Um, and before I do pray, before we get into the word, um, I'm reminded of that wonderful verse in scripture as well. We, as God's people, we rejoice with those who rejoice and we mourn with those who mourn. Um, and so I was ecstatic to walk in at the halftime break, or the, the little chat break, to bump into little Eden uh, and Josh and Kim, not really Josh and Kim, just Eden really, um, who's being nursed by her dad right now and just, yeah, so excited to meet her for the first time Um, and what a great gift. So we rejoice with you guys in that great gift. But we mourn with those who mourn as well and I just wanted to let us all know, some of us do know, uh, that Sue Jones, um, the other half of the Jones clan, Sue's sister died uh, last Sunday evening, um, unexpectedly. Um, she was in Japan, um, and as far as I know, as far as I've been told, knew the Lord. Um, but it's just deeply sad. Um, death was never part of God's original, original creation. Death is not normal, and that's why it hurts so much. And so, sister and brother, we, we, we mourn with you, we grieve with you um, as you experience that loss particularly from afar at this time and um, so as we come together as God's people on this day of thanksgiving uh, we as God's people we don't grieve without hope we grieve with the hope of the Lord Jesus so with that in mind let's pray as we come to God's word this morning let's pray father we do uh, we thank you for the wisdom and goodness of your word 
and the reality that as the God's people, we are able to rejoice with those who rejoice. We are called to mourn with those who mourn. And we do give you great thanks for the day we are able to celebrate today, giving thanks for five years of ministry here in North Adelaide and the inner north. We give you great thanks, Lord, for your kindness, your faithfulness, your patience with us. Thank you for using our um, efforts to bring glory to your name. Thank you for the way that you are, Lord, indeed creating here amongst us at North a, a diverse community, diverse in terms of age, diverse in terms of stage, diverse in terms of ethnic, national backgrounds, uh, diverse in terms of life experience and professionalism or work, etc. But Lord, we pray that ultimately, like our goal here wouldn't be simply diversity, Lord, but it would be love. That we would experience the amazing love of the Lord Jesus Christ, that boundary-crossing love that would unite us deeply together as your people. Father, we pray that you continue to use us and Father, we pray with thanks for the beautiful gift of Eden, uh, especially to Josh and to Kim and their extended families, but thank you for the gift that she is to us here at North. We pray that she'd grow up to know the Lord Jesus. Father, we pray that we, as her family, extended spiritual family, that we'd love her to bits and help us to care well for Josh and Kim as they adjust to life with a new babe in their lives. And Lord, we mourn with all those here today who've suffered perhaps loss of various kinds this past week. But in particular, Lord, we pray for Sue and for Kevin and for Sue's extended family as they come to grips with uh, the loss of a sister, a daughter, a friend. Father, thank you that she knew the Lord Jesus and so is safe and well with him. But Lord, we pray, uh, yeah, the, we pray that you'd help us to, to love Sue well, to be prayerful for her, and thank you for the hope that we have in the Lord Jesus, that death, as awful it is, is not the end. So Father, remind us, Lord, even today as we think about your word, of the wonderful hope that you've called us to. And that you'd help us to be men and women and kids who hold out the good news of the Lord Jesus Christ wherever we find ourselves, locally and globally. So do a work in us this morning, we pray, in Jesus' mighty name. And all God's people said, Amen. Do you have open in front of you Matthew 28 and verse 18 and following. I thought I'd start with a bit of a story. Um, I haven't actually got any notes about this story, so it could go on for a while. Um, I'll try and wrap it up at some stage. But uh, the story goes like this. Pretty much every Sunday morning at about 7.45am, a good-looking middle-aged man and a similarly but younger good-looking little seven-year-old arrive at a big old white building on a back street of North Adelaide. They arrive with a key in their hand and they unlock a sort of a greeny coloured door on the front of this big white building on a back street in North Adelaide. 
The little seven-year-old, who belongs to the older, middle-aged, good-looking man, runs inside, flicks on some light switches, and then importantly, because it gets cold around this time, he switches on the heaters, and the heaters start going. They walk inside, and if we're lucky, the little guy will flick on the toilet, bathroom lights, and things like that. And then the little guy grabs his dad's phone and disappears for the next hour and a half. Meanwhile, the good-looking middle-aged guy walks around, drops some gear off in the sort of an area near the kitchen, establishes the check-in table in the foyer, and then starts putting out chairs all over the place. About 10 minutes after that, another good-looking guy, much younger and much more built and attractive and much more of a hipster, he arrives holding probably some single-origin coffee in a keep cup, and sometimes he's even been known to arrive with slices of avocado on a piece of sourdough. And together they start doing a few things in this space, creating an environment where maybe, I don't know what's going to happen. And then sure enough, about three or four or five even other people turn up, some carrying guitars, some carrying drums, others carrying keyboards or their own unique keyboard stand and they sort of establish what looks like a band of some kind. And then another person arrives and starts setting up some AV gear, and then before you know it, 8.30, twang, boom, crash, rehearsal starts. These musos seem to make some noise together. And then that sort of keeps going, and some other bits and pieces keep happening around, and then all of a sudden, clunk, this coffee machine on wheels appears, and clunks through the back door and then starts <laughs> grinding and frothing out the back. It's, it's plugged in with a ver an array of different chords. I'm not sure how it doesn't set off an electrical fire, but that's, you know, so far so good. And then at about 9.30, the band wraps up, the frothing keeps going, and a small group of people form a circle or two in this large, timber, ornate Estonian space, and they bow their heads and they start praying, praying for various things in people's lives, praying for the local church, praying for the city, the country, the world. And then that wraps up and the frothing's keeping on going, and then a whole bunch of people start gathering and sitting in fairly unattractive orange chairs in the big timber space. And then at 10 o'clock, the band that was rehearsing for an hour start playing and people start singing. There's some banter going on. And then all of a sudden, this person jumps up, that middle-aged guy that I talked about who came in, he often stands up and talks forever. But he does his best, I think, to point the people who are in front of him to someone greater than him, much greater than him, the Lord Jesus Christ calls people to keep trusting the Lord Jesus Christ, calls other people to, to trust the Lord Jesus Christ for the first time, and then everyone is so thankful when he sits down. Oh, someone took their head, that's nice. And then, <laughs> and then, and then they sing again, and then there's this thing, this weird thing that these people do where they get a little bit of bread and a little bit of juice, calling it a meal, remembering someone who died for them 2,000 years ago but makes all the difference in their lives today. And they sing in response 
And then there's sort of a call to go out into the world with this good news that they've been reminded of and there's some banter and then all of a sudden, within a short space of time, the ugly orange chairs are stacked into tens, pushed against the wall, the bands packed up, the coffee machine's no longer frothing, it's back where it belongs, and the middle-aged, good-looking guy with his little seven-year-old son who looks like the spitting image of him, thankfully... Well, they lock that old green door and they walk down to O'Connell Street, jump on a G10 and go home. Does it sound familiar? It's what happens most Sundays here at the Esto. Little microcosms of that story happen in homes all over the place where God's people gather together from this place. The question I ask as we think about that story is why do we do it? Why do we keep on doing it? Why did we do it at Archer Street, 92 Archer Street for a couple of few years? Why did we move what we did there to here over the past year or so? What's our motivation for meeting? What's our motivation for mission? Well, Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20, we read this. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Friends, brothers and sisters, the reason that we work together to run City Light Church North Adelaide each and every week is because Jesus is still God's chosen King. The historical reality of the life, death and resurrection of Jesus means that he is still Lord of all. His dominion is universal. His reign is eternal. And so it's right that all people everywhere should worship him. And it's right that we, brothers and sisters, his people, should should love and serve and obey him. That's why we're here every Sunday morning in North Adelaide. We're on mission for Jesus. The mission given first to those, I like to call them shabby, those first 11 kind of shabby disciples about 2,000 years ago has become ours. Every generation of believers is responsible for its generation of souls. One of my favourite books is by a guy named J.R. Mott. Um, He wrote The Evangelization of the World in Every Generation. He wrote it like around the turn of the the 20th century, 1901. He won the Nobel Peace Prize, actually, for his work amongst university students on campuses across the US. Amazing guy, J.R. Mott. He wrote that book, The Evangelization of the World in Every Generation, and he was a clarion call to the generation whom he was amongst that they have the responsibility as God's people, chosen by him, rescued from sin through faith in Jesus, to have concern for the souls of all those around them. And one of the things I love about J.R. Mott's book is that he has this idea that even the the most seemingly insignificant person in a church can be the most powerful witness for the Lord Jesus Christ. I love it. It's a a book worth getting. So this morning, we're going to think about what our mission involves and what being committed to our mission 
might look like for each of us. I think I've got one slide. There you go. That's my one slide this morning. Our sort of vision as a church, more people, more like Jesus from all nations. Uh, We're just going to work through more or less that. Let's start with the sphere of the mission. What is the sphere of our mission? Uh, When Jesus first gave the great commission to his disciples, I reckon it must have seemed like astonishingly ridiculous to them, right? Right? Um, I mean, he, there are 11 of them, and Jesus says to them, go, and as you go, make disciples of what? All nations. Yikes. All nations is the sphere of the mission, the scope of the mission. That means not only Jewish people, but also non-Jewish people, Gentiles, as the Bible refers to. All nations, everyone in the world, every tribe, every language group, every people group on earth. In other words, the gospel must go to every single person on the planet who has not yet heard about the Lord Jesus. So you see, the sphere of the mission is both local and global. For us, it begins locally here in North Adelaide or or Adelaide as we seek to take the good news of Jesus to all people groups living here in Adelaide, to indigenous Australians living in our western suburbs to migrants, to international students, to Australian-born people. Jesus is Lord of all and all need to hear of him. That's how they'll find forgiveness of sins. That's how they'll discover eternal life. But we also must keep our eyes right on the, the global aspect of the task at hand. And I believe that churches like ours here at City Light Church, North Adelaide, ought to be places where men and women are raised up, where they're equipped, and where they're sent to places all over the world, and even to places in the world where no one has yet heard about the good news of the Lord Jesus Christ. I've said this before. I'm, I'm massively thankful for the way that God has kind of grown us as a church even kind of a little bit numerically over the course of the past few years. But I also, when I'm sort of walking the streets mumbling prayers, that's kind of what I do around Prospect sometimes. If you see a guy mumbling to himself, it's me, uh, mumbling kind of prayers. One of the prayers I regularly pray for our church is that God would just like empty our church. Like we'd just raise up people, equip people and send them out to the far-flung areas of the world and the mission fields to people, to places where the name of the Lord Jesus Christ is not revered or perhaps has never been heard before. Adele and I have got really good friends uh, who were sent by the Lord and by his people to Namibia in Africa. Had a really tough time reaching out to people there and then the Lord directed them down to, to Cape Town in South Africa where it's not been easy for them as a missionary family. Many times they've thought we should just come home. What would compel them to stay? What would compel them to go? Obedience to the command of the Lord Jesus. They were seeking, they're seeking to make disciples of all nations. I also think of a friend of mine, Robin. She's a single woman. Uh, She's working in a part of the world, in a country where we can't kind of publicly name that, but it's a part of the world where the Lord Jesus Christ and his gospel is not very well loved or embraced or even allowed. But she's there working 
but on the side, she's also translating the Bible into a local language of the people on which apart she switched. So they would have the good news, the Bible in their own heart language and be able to meet the Lord Jesus. She's there, the conditions she in, she's in, Robin, is not great, it's hot, it's not very comfortable. What would compel her to do that? Well, again, it's obedience to the command of the Lord Jesus. She's seeking to make disciples of all nations. So the sphere of the mission is global. It's local. It's, it's global. But what are the tasks of the mission? Uh, look with me at the first task of the mission, Matthew 28 and verse 19. Uh, back into verse 18 to start with. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. What's involved in making disciples? Well, firstly, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Now, some would use this first, right, to argue for the necessity of water baptism. But the important thing, right, remember, is that water baptism is simply an external physical sign of an internal spiritual change or reality. It's been one of the highlights, I think, of our time as God's people here in North Adelaide is to inflate the big spa and dunk people in it as a reminder of the wonder of the good news of the gospel. Um, I don't know if you realise this, but when Eloise was baptised, she was our last person to be baptised, um, I thought it would be a wonderful idea to, to have it inside during the gathering. So I don't know if you remember. So we inflated it um, over here in the corner, and it was beautiful, it was wonderful. And then I, ha- I did that the night before, by the way. So it was a Saturday night, I was like poking around in here at like 10pm, and we inflated it. I was like, okay, at least it goes up. And then I thought, maybe I could half fill it tonight, like the Saturday night, so that it wouldn't take as long the next morning. Whatever happened, the Lord moved in a way that he said, no, don't do that. Because then the next morning, I got here at like 5 a.m. and I like organized the hose, it like just made it like the hose, over the lip of the spa bath and it's filling up and, and, and like, you know that little guy I was talking about, the seven-year-old who looks a lot like me, that was Baz, Baz and I standing there watching it very slowly come up. And I'm like, Baz, the worst thing that could happen today is that the spa would leak. Oh, no, Dad, it'll be fine. No worries. I'm sure it'll be fine. So we walked away and did other things, put chairs out and things like that. We came back about 20 minutes later, water everywhere, all over the floor. And all I could think about was, well, there goes our insurance, right? You know, the Esto. Anyway, and then thankfully, thankfully, the band members we have around here are not just good at playing instruments, they're also good at shifting water and shifting spa bars out of our space, right? So I don't know, like Mikey were there, Jesse was there, you know, two of the most muscular men in our community. Um, Sorry, that's a really harsh thing to say. We're, we're like, we're, ra- we're raiding the kitchen for pots and pans and like we're running it out like absolute lunatics, right? Getting this water out. And then finally we got it to a point at least where we could move it with our massive muscles about that far. And then we had to get more pots and pans to shell it out and then we finally dragged it out and that's when Eloise got dunked outside, um, which... You know, all good plans, right? Don't quite work out. Anyway, all that to say, that's a... That's a you would, that's, yeah, anyway, um, that's nothing to do with what I was going to say, apart from water baptism, water baptism. 
When people hear the good news of the Lord Jesus and believe that he is the son of God who paid the price for their rebellion and sins, ask him for forgiveness and then with the hope of the power of the Holy Spirit, seek to live for them. They experience spiritual baptism and when we gather around a dodgy spa bath that leaks outside, that is simply a reminder to us, the community of God's people, that we are not saved by jumping into a spa. We're saved by the work of the gospel. And that's where life of the disciple begins. And so you see, we make disciples by introducing people to Jesus that they, by the power of the Holy Spirit, might come to know him as Saviour and Lord. When they do that, when they do that, that's when we put him in the bath and reminds us of what it means to come to know Jesus. But the task of making disciples isn't over simply when a person hears the good news of Jesus and first responds in repentance and faith. Read on with me in verse 20. Uh, Jesus says, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. You might remember when the Apostle Paul preached the good news of the Lord Jesus Christ in Ephesus in the first century, and people responded to that message with repentance and faith, Paul didn't just go, great, a few people have saved, I'm out of here. Paul stayed in Ephesus for three years, teaching them what it meant to be a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. His letters to the various churches make it clear that he didn't think the job of making disciples was done when someone prayed a prayer or ticked a box on a connect card. No. Consistent follow-up. Input, teaching, and training was required. And that's why we're here in North Adelaide every week. That's why we, we have homes right across Adelaide opened up during the week, Mondays and Wednesdays and Thursdays and other days for our discipleship groups so that men and women, so that you and I can grow to know the Lord Jesus Christ better. It's not enough simply to proclaim the good news once a week and walk away. We're teaching the Bible week by week here to grow the community. Grow into a community that understands what it means to live with Jesus as Lord. And I think we're growing to understand. Many of you know that I am a pretty flawed guy. Um, I am far from the perfect pastor. And there are moments when... I call them conniptions. I have conniptions at home. Do you know what a conniption is? Ask Adele what my conniptions look like. Um, a conniption is when you kind of just basically lose the plot. Um, I have moments at home um, when I kind of just, I have a conniption, like a spiritual conniption, and I, I'll turn to Adele and I'll say, I don't know what's going on at City Light Church North Adelaide, Adele. No one's changing. I'm not even changing. And Adele goes, here we go again, you know. Happens every happens about every three months, you know, and she just sits there. She's very patient, Adele. She goes, "Oh yeah, keep talking." So I keep having my conniption. No one's changing. What are we doing it all for? Rah rah. And then Adele will say, "Have you finished now?" And usually I have. And she goes, "Let's just stop and think for a minute." And then Adele will kind of just, I'm not going to point at anybody, but Adele will just say, well, let's think about X. 
how have they changed in the past six to 12 months? And I'll go, like, grumpily, because I know she's right. I'll go, yep, yep, oh, yes, they have changed. They do, you know, like, they, they, things have changed for them. Great, there's one. How about such and such? And, like, I just have to, I can't, it's so hard to admit you're wrong. But I am. And so I'm really, th- I share that because I'm really thankful because I think we are a church that is growing, not just numerically, but we're growing spiritually. I think I look around this room right now and I see men, women who've grown in their love for the Lord Jesus Christ in the last six months, in the last 12 months, in the last five years. And I praise the Lord for that. And I don't know how much that's got to do with me at all, but I know that God is kind and he is working through many people in this place to create that. We are growing to understand the gospel and its implications more, and we should praise God for that. And that's why missionaries who go overseas live in communities. They want to share the good news of the Lord Jesus Christ, but not just share it. They want to share their lives as well. And I think that's what we see here too. Um, Many of the friends I have who are overseas in mission have chosen sort of not to live like in a missionary compound, but have decided to live out in the suburbs so they can be among the people that they're seeking to reach with the good news of the gospel. Many, uh, yeah, they, they're seeking to follow new people up, seeking to continue to live the gospel before people. It's wonderful. And it's in our local context, that's why we seek to encourage people who are interested in the gospel to come to church regularly. It's why we're keen to connect all the new people who come to City Light Church North Adelaide into a discipleship group where they can continue to study the Bible and be encouraged to grow more like Jesus. I hope you can see that if we're going to make disciples of others, we must first be committed to these things ourselves. It's only by being connected and by being committed in Christian fellowship, centred on God's word and prayer, that we can spur one another on to love and good deeds. That's how we become mature disciples of Jesus. That's how we encourage other people to become mature disciples of Jesus as well. Now, in a way, right, the twofold task involved in making disciples, um, introducing people to Jesus and helping them mature in Jesus, kind of dovetails well, right, with our mission statement. Um, At City Light Church North Adelaide, we seek to be a church who longs to see more people, more like Jesus from all nations, more people at simply introducing people to Jesus because that makes possible faith in Jesus leading to cleansing and forgiveness of sins and new life and friendship with God the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit. And the more like Jesus bit is about that ongoing nurturing and flourishing and growing of, of in love for the Lord Jesus through study of God's word, through prayer, through celebrating the sacraments of the Lord's Supper and baptism, that we'd become more like Jesus and be ready for life forever in his new creation. And the all nations bit, well, that's like just the all nations bit, right? It's global. It's also local. Now I can tell you, right, there is nothing better than seeing someone first come to know the Lord Jesus Christ and then go on to grow and become a disciple, a mature disciple of Jesus. Um, I remember being at a conference about four years ago. Um, It was in Melbourne and a man came up to me. Um, He was about 10 years younger than me um, and he introduced himself again. I sort of vaguely recognised him but not entirely. 
And then he just he walked up to me and said, hey, Simon, I just wanted to tell you that um, there was an evening, I was part of the evening service at Kirribilli, the church that you, you, know, you used to be part of in Sydney. Um, and I remember you were preaching one night and we were working through the book of Revelation. And on that particular evening, I put my faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm thinking, Revelation? You put your faith in Jesus? You weren't like bamboozled? Like, I, I heard the gospel that night and I put my, my faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. I trusted him. And he goes to me, I thought you might be encouraged to hear that. <laughs> oh, and then he said, oh, and by the way, I'm still trusting the Lord Jesus Christ and I serve like crazy at my local church. I'm just like hugging the guy. I'm like encouraged. Like the, the conference wasn't very great, but that was awesome. So good. He was right. I was so, so, so encouraged. What a joy it is to, to, to be a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ and, and share the good news with someone. And I didn't know that had happened. And yet see them grow on to be a mature disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ, serving his people in, a, in the local church. This is the twofold kind of task that Jesus calls every one of his disciples to. And it's a long-term thing, isn't it? It involves commitment to people over time. And if I'm really brutally honest with you, I think that's where I really struggle at times. I'm an impatient person by nature. And you know those conniptions I was talking about? I think I have conniptions because I want to see myself change more quickly and I want to see everyone else change more quickly. And yet God is at work in each one of us bit by bit by bit, making us more like Jesus, bit by bit by bit. We've seen the motive for mission, the universal and eternal lordship of Jesus. We've seen the sphere of mission. It's local. It's also global. We've seen the task of mission, initial and ongoing. Clearly obeying the command of Jesus is a huge task. It's a massive job. But the good news is, brothers and sisters, we are not on our own. Look with me at the comfort in the mission that Jesus gives at the very end of these final instructions to his disciples. Jesus says, verse 19, Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. I find this a very wonderful and reassuring promise from Jesus. We aren't on mission alone. Our comfort in mission is the ongoing presence and empowering of Jesus by the Holy Spirit. I have to say that often I feel weak and foolish in mission. Doing that twofold task of seeing more people, introducing people to Jesus and helping them home to heaven more like Jesus, I feel pretty weak and foolish in doing that. I mentioned at the end when we've packed away the chairs and locked the door, I walk down to O'Connell Street and jump on the G10. Sometimes Fletch joins us on the G10 and Fletch just, he's like a backseat bandit, right? The minute we get on the bus, he's like, back seat. And he flies up the bus. And we're like carrying, you know, chasing on. 
I, to be honest with you, I sit on the back seat because I, you know, always a back seat bandit. And I'm there, I sit on the back seat and Bazzy and Fletch are having a wow of a time. You know, they're jumping up, pressing all the buttons. We stop at every stop, right? Because they're like, what's that one do? I'm like, flipping heck, man, you know what that does. You know, we stop, stop. Anyway, they're having a wow of a time. You know what, I often sit on the bus and I kind of wonder if it was all worth it. Sometimes. You know, did anyone... Was anyone one for Christ? Was anyone built up and encouraged today as we gathered? But you know what? You know, while Fletcher's rubbing his back head on the, you know, have you ever been in the back seat of the bus? It's like this this rough metal stuff. He's done this a million times, but he loves it. He rubs his head all over it, you know, like a cheese grater. While he's doing that, and while Bazzy's saying, can I have your phone, Dad? Like, whatever it is. I pray, I pray, Lord, please, all the effort we put in this morning, again, the band, the coffee makers, the welcome team, people doing dishes, the people who um, rinse out the little communion cups. I don't want to pick on one person this morning, I won't look at that, but Jackie Chen, I'm not going to look at Jackie Chen, but Jackie Chen, I feel like is the one who's like, gets the bad job, right? She gets, I feel like you're always cleaning those little cups, Jackie, and they are just, she's a doctor, so they're perfect, like, no, just clean as a whistle. But I pray, I ask God, please, in those humble efforts we've put in today, would you use those efforts to to win people for Christ and to build people up in Christ? That as we do all those little jobs over the last five years, that we'd see more people, more like Jesus from all nations. I pray that. I pray, Lord, strengthen me by your spirit to be faithful, to persevere, and to trust that your gospel does indeed bring salvation to all those who would believe it is right for us brothers and sisters to rely entirely on the holy spirit not on ourselves for the results it's a great comfort i find that he is the one who will open blind eyes unstop deaf ears soften hard hearts so people would see hear and love the lord jesus christ and go on to love him forever and the truth that the holy spirit is the one who brings new life i think should humble us should keep us prayerful and forever keep us hopeful as we press on in mission for Jesus' sake until he returns. And this is why we need to hear the gospel over and over and over and over and over and over and over again. That's why we need to be reminded about what our part is in this whole thing. And so as we celebrate five years in North Adelaide, As we approach the end of yet another year, can you believe it's only 68 days until Christmas? 68, who's done their, anyone done their Christmas shopping, anyone? Yeah, no. 68 days until Christmas. As we face unknown consequences of COVID as all our borders open up, this may be what we need to hear. But we are those in whom the Spirit of God dwells the spirit that God has graciously poured out on us after 2,000 years. And it gives us every reason not to be scared, but to be strong, 
to be confident and kind-hearted as we live gospel-driven lives. Because we seek above all things to see more people more like Jesus from all nations. The gospel is the means that God uses to rescue people like us and through us to work in the lives of other people. So let me ask you two simple questions and then we're done. This morning, in the midst of mask wearing, social distancing, approaching the end of the year, our fifth anniversary as a church here in North Adelaide, do you realise what we've been swept up into through the Lord Jesus Christ? An amazing mission. And second, are you ready to commit yourself again to promote and to defend the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ in his strength and to stand with your brothers and sisters locally and globally until your dying breath? And a third question that's not on my page, but a bonus. Are you willing to stand with me the elders of this church and commit with God's help to making Jesus known, to seeing more people more like Jesus from more nations in this place, let's say for another five years and another five years and another five years. May God give us strength through his spirit to stand together. Let's pray. Let's pray. Our Father and our God, we pray today Uh, that you would impress upon us the seriousness of the responsibility you've given us as your people. Uh, Father, um, the horizon of your mission is to the ends of the earth and that has the potential to paralyze us, I I suppose. But please, Father, renew us afresh today with zeal for the gospel. Uh, Father, Father, help us to see the scope of your promises. Remind us that we are heirs to those promises. And Father, please, with the help of your spirit and the endowment of your spirit, give us not a spirit of cowardice, Lord, but the spirit of the Lord Jesus Christ, a spirit of power, a spirit of love and self-control. And Father, help us, we pray, to keep making much of you as we gather in this place and in this city week in, week out. We praise you this morning for your faithfulness. We praise you that all your promises find their yes in the Lord Jesus. Father, please use us. We pray that you bless our vision to see more people, more like Jesus from all nations. Please use us in that and help us to keep trusting Jesus, in whose name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to audio from City Light Church, North Adelaide. We hope you found it helpful and we'd love for you to share this message with others. For more great content, more information about City Light Church or to donate to the work of City Light Church, North Adelaide, visit us at citylight.church slash North Adelaide.